Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Law, the Law Careers podcast for students at King's College London. I'm Caroline Lindner, one of the careers consultants for the Dixon Poon School of Law, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Nick West from law firm Mishkondorea for one of our special episodes. Let me tell you a little bit about Nick. He is a partner and chief strategy officer with overall responsibility for technological transformation within Mishkondorea. He leads the technology and strategy groups as well as the firm's research and development arm. He's one of the foremost experts in legal tech and the application of AI to the legal market, having spent the majority of his career working at the forefront of innovation in the legal industry. Formerly Managing Director of Axiom in the UK and Director of LexisNexis's UK Legal Business, Nick's expertise lies in the field of technology, knowledge and new business models in the legal sector. He began his career as a competition lawyer at Linklaters and then as a strategy consultant at McKinsey & Co. Nick is also an advisor to the Dixon Poon School of Law and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. First of all, Nick, thank you so much for joining me today on our podcast. It's a pleasure, Caroline. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm going to take you back to the start of your career um, because this is a Law Careers podcast and I think students will have li- will have definitely picked up on the fact you used to work at Linklaters and you were a qualified lawyer. So talk us through why you decided to become a solicitor and then I guess the follow-up question to that is why did you end up changing direction? Uh, yeah, I'm very happy to talk about that. I, I'm, I'm not sure there was a, a brilliant master plan. Um, I went to university to read chemistry um uh which i was very interested in very passionate about and uh during that time i realized that i didn't want to be a sort of lab scientist and i was looking for ways to try to twin science with something else and stumbled across the idea of being an ip lawyer and really i I, you know this was very new to me i i'm sort of first generation university graduate and 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 so i didn't you know, it was all very new to try and figure figure these kind of questions out. Uh, but IP really grabbed me, and 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 I thought that would be a nice way to stay connected to uh, to science, uh, but yet do something vocational that I could see a career in. Um, it didn't quite work out like that. Uh, so <laughs> I, I I did I spent uh, you know the best part of a year as an IP lawyer uh, as a trainee in IP at Linklaters, but then I got sort of my head turned by competition um and uh and the sort of economics um or that was involved in in competition law and i found myself that you know it was undeniable that i cared more about the business transactions that were going on than i cared about the legal elements Uh, and i started to realize that i i I didn't think i would be happy being a lawyer being a, a a highly technical expert although great lawyers advise on a range of things uh, and commercial outcomes at the end of the day you are a you are one of the technical specialists involved in advising a client and i did i just didn't think that was going to suit me and so uh re- you know I, I then thought well how do i stay involved in business more generally uh, and uh, and i sort of went through those early years of a different career structure in consulting so having done three and a half years of law, two as a trainee and a year and a half qualified. I then went and did a couple of years at McKinsey, which definitely suited me more. It was mm. it was it was a, a wider range of 
business skills uh, a much more diversity in the kind of work I was doing day to day different industries different types of work and I, I found that a lot more engaging and rewarding and it, it cemented the idea in my mind that I it was right I wanted to be more of a generalist business person yeah. uh, than I did want to be a, a, a technical legal expert you know I, I'm oversimplifying there but but you get the drift yeah absolutely and and you know we've called this one of our special episodes because um you know we are talking about a specific topic um that is of very very pertinent within the legal sector at the moment which is all about innovation technology and the role that it's playing within the legal sector but before we get on to talking about that i think it would be important for us to understand the t- the amount of change that's gone on particularly within law firms over the last 40 years or so so would you be able to summarise those for us in the context of you know, what we're going to be talking about, which is legal tech and innovation? Yeah, I, I, on the one hand, clearly law is a profession that is hundreds of years old. Um, but I think it is right to pick maybe 40, maybe 50 years mm. as the point at which modern law firms come into existence. Um, I'm sure many listeners won't realise that up until the 70s, law firms were not able to advertise or market themselves at all. Um, Pricing was effectively determined by the law society. Uh, You know, these are things that in a market economy are just unthinkable, but that's what was happening in the legal industry in the UK until relatively recently. I think it was the very early 80s at which law firms were allowed to have more than 20 partners. So again, there was a sort of limit on how many uh, you know, how many uh, how many leaders you could have or therefore the overall size of a business. So some of these things were, um, you know, some of those things really determine what we see. That we, we've got very we've got very immature law firms, effectively. Yes. They, they, we may have now law firms that are two, three, four, five billion dollars in size, but still they pale into insignificance when you think about the size of the biggest law firms versus the size of the biggest banks or the size of the biggest energy companies or whatever it might be. We've still got a very fragmented, very immature kind of uh, um, uh, uh, industry. Um, and, And yet quite a lot has now happened in the last 40, 50 years, and particularly in the last 10 or 15, if you think about um, if you think about sort of the changes that have uh, that have happened, whether it's the introduction of tech um, is the obvious one, but actually a lot of the changes occurred um, probably around the turn of the millennium. So, you know, from 2000, from the year 2000 onwards, I think what you start to see is changes in buyer behavior, whether it's buyers, consumers buying their, you know, going to a client for their conveyancing or for a will, or more realistically, it's where big corporates buying their legal services from big firms. That kind of change in buyer behavior, which is partly to do with changes, adoption and technology, partly to do with the just the economic climate, you know, the financial crash of 2008 led to some significant changes, breaking down of sort of really um, long term uh, relationships, you know, cozy relationships between perhaps law firms and and uh, and and their clients, 
all, all that change that happened in that sort of decade really made is the for me it's the watershed the before which is the sort of old-fashioned law firm to the to the to the now um you know that that's some of the context that, that you know which we have to sort of look at what's going on in the legal market today with a sort of one eye on that that history i think yeah and, and as you say it's it's recent it's recent times and there will be people practicing today who will very much remember what it used to be like and that's that's important to to recognize so that brings us to the present day and I guess arguably, you know, your role that you've got at Mishcon now wouldn't have existed, um, uh, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's um, right. Uh, so tell us about the role and and perhaps some of the changes that you, you know, have been implemented under your leadership. Um, yeah, as you said at the beginning, I, I lead on all things technology and transformation, really, um, which you're right. I don't think as such a role Mishcon was one of the earliest firms to have roles like that. It, you know, Mishcon is quite a forward-looking firm, and 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 I I got the benefit of a piece of work that was done before my time, where the firm sort of did a ten-year vision exercise. So this is sort of 2014, and the firm was asking itself, what does a firm need to look like in 2025? Which is one of those questions that I hate being asked. You know, think ten years ahead, but they took it on, and it, it wasn't about technology. It was about um, you know, Mishcon is a UK firm. How, when, 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 and we focus a lot on private individuals and private wealth, and we and litigation. So, if those are themes, what, uh, what, you know, how are you going to deal with the fact that that wealth is moving more globally? You know, mm. eastwards into Africa, whatever. How are you going to deal with the fact that there's more arbitration around the world than necessarily London as a as the preeminent seat of litigation? How do you deal with some of those macro issues? But one of the issues they picked up was tech, the, you know, the, 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 the increase in speed of tech adoption and how was that going to affect things? And so I got hired to say, well, there you go, pick that up and, and do what you want with that. So what does it mean? I mean, it, it, on the one hand, it mean it has meant the modernization of the technology that we use in, in the firm and to serve our clients. So with cloud technology how do you migrate a, an enterprise a big organization to cloud first technology um some of it's been at the other end of the scale it's been the introduction of a data science team and and yeah. how do we use all the data that we have about our clients and uh, the work we do for them and uh you know things like how do we use historic data to predict budgets for litigation those yeah. kinds of questions um I've got a team that really focuses on re-engineering the way that we work. Uh, I've got a team that is, uh, it looks after what we call MDR Lab, which is an incubator for early stage legal tech companies. You know, we, we've really, we've really tried to sort of put the changing tech landscape at the center of, uh, you know, one of the central planks for the firm. And that's led us, interestingly, to do more work for early stage tech companies, for startups, for entrepreneurs, as well as actually changing the way that we operate and the way that we deliver our services to clients. So it's been um, it's been already six, seven years and, and, and you know, fascinating work that, that continues to sort of evolve into 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 new directions. Um, so many of our students, when they're applying to law firms, Nick, you know, they, they are talking about the importance of legal technology and innovation. But let's take a step back. You know, why has it become so important in law? We know technology is important the way we 
we all live our lives these days and how we connect. But why has it become such a big, important topic for law? And is it here to stay? You just answered the question. I mean, it, it's important for law because it's important in the world. Mm. That's it. We we are people and we buy services every day. Uh, why is it that I, when I buy a book on Amazon or something on Amazon, I, you know, I know when it's been fulfilled, when it's in the mail and when it arrives. Uh, if I want to walk outside of my office building now, I can see when the bus will arrive at the bus station. I only need to go into Google Maps, frankly, to yeah. find that information out. And yet, as a client of a law firm, I've got no idea where the work is and when mm -hmm. it's coming to me. That you know, people don't like that. They don't accept it anymore. You know, times have changed. Um, I'm, you know, why can't I? One of my one of my biggest gripes of the past decade, and and it's something that it's, it took me years to to get people to really, you know, get with the program is why can't I sign a document electronically, right? Mm -hmm. If, if DocuSign exists or equivalents, uh, why can't we just use those for legal documents? Um, you know, people just, people don't want to be forced to do things in an outdated way mm. when in the rest of their lives, they're operating in a new way. And I'm not gonna judge and say one is better than the other, but if you, if, if certain things have become commonplace in your life, you 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 demand of other providers that they match those standards that is why it's so important and yes uh, delivering legal advice is more complicated than sending a book of course it is but but the principles are are the same so our clients um our, you know if you open the paper and you read about uh clever AI tools that are diagnosing cancer, you're mm. wondering why there is an army of young uh, young professionals manually sifting through legal documents. Why can't you have AI tech yes. do the same? And yeah. and you know the the those are the kinds of questions that come up. Those are the kinds of questions that they people want answers to. And I think you can no longer be a law firm that doesn't know how to answer those questions or doesn't know how to it doesn't have a view on that because the answer isn't yes we can just outsource it to a bunch of ai the answer is some of those tools really enhance the way that lawyers work but it's not as simple as just replacing one with the other but you only really know that with with real certainty when you have engaged with the technology and worked out what it can do and what it can't do mm -hmm. and so as i said long gone is the time where any lawyer or any law firm can simply put their head in the sand if they want to stay relevant. I mean, of course, you yeah. you can choose to do that, but but I, I would I would suggest that that is a that is a one way ticket to 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 oblivion. But mm -hmm. if you want to stay relevant and you want to have a future, you are going to have to understand what this you know what technology can do, how there are different ways of doing things. Right, you know general counsel no longer have a choice which says which of the many law firms should I choose they've now got they can bring they they've got many different alternatives to bring work in-house they've got yes. many different types of entity that can serve them whether that is a law firm uh, big or small onshore offshore whether it is a law company so you know a, a, a non-regulated business but offering legal or quasi-legal services whether they use technology tools to do it. Those choices didn't exist 30 years ago, they do mm. now. And so you, 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 
yes, it's clearly these are these are these are trends that are clearly here to stay. There's no chance that the genie goes back in the bottle. Mm. And so you, you you know any firm or any lawyer I think needs needs a viewpoint on that stuff. And you you know some more than others, and and people will make their choices about where on that continuum, how interested in this stuff do they need to be. But I. I don't think anyone can afford any more to say oh, I'm just not interested at all. Right? You don't have to be an expert at this stuff, but I think you've got to be, you know, willing and open. And we'll come on, I'm sure, later yeah. to talk a bit about some of that stuff. Yeah, thank you. Um, and actually, that leads me on to my next question. And I think you've answered it a little bit there. Um, but you know, I can think about some of our listeners thinking, okay, well, what does this actually mean for me if I'm going to be a practicing lawyer? What does this all mean day to day for me? Um, and I guess I, you're you're living and breathing this, Nick. You're seeing the lawyers around you having to uh, engage with this. Um, so what does it mean? Well, you have to expect to be asked questions by your clients, uh, whoever they are. I don't, I, you know, just because I work for a large firm, um, uh, you know, we have in we have lots of individuals as clients. Uh, you know, we do everything from. Uh, immigration to you know massive pieces of litigation we do we do a wide range of stuff and so i'm not talking just because we happen to be a big firm i think you know you could be a a, a so-called high street lawyer you know anywhere in the in the country and still uh, and still have to have some uh you know some view on this kind of stuff because what does it mean for you? It, you know, your 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 clients now have many more choices than they ever had before. Your clients have different expectations from you know from 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 those they had 25 years ago. Their businesses and their personal lives are more tech enabled and more um, fa you know faster moving. Their expectations are are therefore you know different of you or, or higher of you. And I, as I said, I, I think you need to you need to know how you're going to deal with that. And, and, yeah. and you know, there, there are a handful of people that could be in the luxury position of saying, I am what I am, take me or leave me. But for most of us, we have to adapt. I mean, you yeah. know, I'm not going to get all Darwinian here, but that is that is that is the reality. And, and so what does it mean? What characteristics? You know, and I, I don't know whether you want to sort of talk about that now or later, but what, what are the characteristics we're talking about here? Uh, you know, I think our, it's about engagement and curiosity and, and working out how interested do you personally want to get in all of this, you know, this stuff. But but I, I think that's what it means to you. I, I think you have no choice. I think you have to, I think you have to engage. I think you have to start to form a view about how, what is the, what is the best way for you to serve your types of clients? What is the best way for you to provide the services that is going to satisfy your clients? And therefore, and I, I, I can be pretty sure that some form of technological delivery or, you know, different ways of doing things is part of that answer. Well, well let's let's carry on on this theme then. Um, you know, what type of person is suited to working in the areas of tech and innovation? And from what you said earlier, it sounds as if you have some people who are not practicing as lawyers but they're helping the business to become more technologically um advanced and uh, you know innovating with that and what that means for delivery to clients but do you have some lawyers who are just really genuinely curious about this stuff or some of them who may actually be quite technologically uh, astute and i mean how does it sort of work because i, I imagine there are now more opportunities within a legal firm 
to get involved in this work and you don't just have to be a lawyer who's putting their hand up to get involved is that I mean, it's quite yeah. a basic thing I was saying there but I, I've certainly noticed from an external perspective more opportunities coming out there for graduates and experienced people to yeah. get involved in a law firm where they may not have been able to do that in the past yeah very much so there's a so there's a, at least a couple of questions let me take them in sort of sections right so the you know what what kind of person is suited so as I said I, I think the baseline is everybody has to engage to a degree uh, but I don't think that everybody has to be expert here because that's unrealistic uh, if you are interested if, if this stuff really does you know does float your boat what are what are, what characteristics do I typically see well they they are they are people who like change people who don't like status quo they are people who will you know ask the kind of question why do we do that that there must be a better way of doing something and and some people are wired that way and some people aren't and then it's, it's not that one is better than the other but i i think um i think you know being a bit more articulate it's it's a curiosity it's a it's a it's a some people who like change they like uh they're they're, um, they're comfortable with change they're comfortable perhaps with some ambiguity they're comfortable with doing things in in new ways and perhaps taking a bit of risk and i know that risk and lawyers you know they're not happy bedfellows but but so that that's broadly what i think is the kind of characteristic sort of uh you know the, the set of characteristics and uh, in my experience you know and, and maybe i maybe there's some confirmation bias because i'm a scientist but i they often are science grads they're not exclusively but often that way of thinking in process and data and the things that we are taught as scientists, the things that we are taught that, you know, a a theory is just a theory. It's there to be disproved, to be, you know, uh, if you can find a better way of doing something, then go for it. That kind of that kind of thinking is, is often twinned with the kind of people that work in, in legal technology. But as I said, it is far from exclusive. I think about the people at Mishcon who, are, you know, to, to move into your second question, um, there are, you know, at Mishcon, there are definitely lawyers who have put their hands up to say, I like being a lawyer, but I also like the tech stuff. Can I twin those things together? And at the extreme, we've got a few lawyers who have maybe 20% of their time. You know, I, 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 I hope that see, some of your listeners will be familiar with the idea that generally at big law firms in the UK, one have targets of the number of hours you have to achieve you have to do work um you so you, it may be a thousand hours or two thousand hours of billable work but but we've got lawyers who's who only who have a fifth of their hours reduced so that they can spend time on tech projects and then at the other extreme i've got people in my team who are you know hardcore technologists they are data scientists they are people with six sigma um uh, uh uh um sort of expertise and six sigma is a technique for process re-engineering that people might want to look up if they're not familiar with um so i've got sort of the whole spectrum of people who are you know who are or were lawyers to people who have no idea about law but they understand certain capabilities and we we put all that stuff together um and I think I think therefore there are just a phenomenal number of opportunities to 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 touch on your final point. You know, in it doesn't matter what area of law any of your listeners are talking about. They could be 
family lawyers or immigration lawyers or commercial lawyers or criminal lawyers. They could be thinking about a career at the bar or a career in, in private practice or a career in-house. Uh, it doesn't matter. In every single one of those you know, walks of life, walks of law, uh, there are people like me. There are people who are super interested in the way that technology is changing the business and practice of law. And it may, you, you know, your listeners may have to scratch away a little harder under the surface to find them. Uh, you know, they, they may, it, it may take a little while to work out who's who, who's serious and who's just talking a good game, but they're, they're there. And, and, and within the organisations, therefore, that are uh, interesting uh, to 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 someone who's who's who wants to who wants to twin law and technology. There are so many different roles. As I said, you can be a lawyer and really think about technology in the practice of law, or you can be a a, a knowledge engineer or a data scientist or a legal technologist or a legal project manager or a I don't know. I could go on. I could think of another dozen titles uh, and and all of these things. You know, most of them didn't exist ten years ago. Absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah. so, so now, you know, it, you know, we have one hundred and fifty thousand lawyers in the UK. There aren't one hundred and fifty thousand other jobs, but, 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 you know, there's definitely thousands of positions now in firms across the UK, dedicated positions, as well as all the other people in the legal industry who are managing to twin a passion for technology with a more conventional lawyer career path. And it's, so from that perspective, it's a phenomenally interesting and empowering and exciting time. You know, this is, this has really created more options, more opportunity. Um, it's not something really to be scared of. I remember, you know, a few years ago, all the headlines around sort of AI type tools tended to be elimination of roles. I, yes. I just, I just think that is, it, it is so far from being true it, it, overall in the legal industry, there are definitely a few things now that get done almost exclusively with technology that used to be done by people. But but by and large, what this wave of tech uh, has brought to law is more opportunity, more different roles, you know, more, 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 more interesting stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, and and actually, you, you touched upon this earlier on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back to 2016, Nick, where you were interviewed um, in Legal Futures, and you were quoted as saying that law firms need to suppress their tendency to be risk averse. And it sounds as if that that's happening now. But but is it is it happening enough, or is it happening quickly enough? I guess. I mean, yeah, good. I, I would say it's not happening quickly enough because I sit at one end of that spectrum, and. and there are always leaders and there are always laggards. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. There are always people who are willing to embrace changing uh, dynamics and there will always be willing people who will push against them. And that is true about this particular topic we're talking about, technology in law. But it would also be true about many, you know, it would be true about any other industry and it would be true if we asked about a different a different topic in law and how law firms are embracing them or how the legal industry is embracing them. So our law firms overall less risk averse or more willing to embrace risk no not really uh but but you know uh, so maybe the maybe the maybe the quote wasn't a particularly good one but but um they they firms are certainly you know 
I think I've answered earlier on that there is this is an unstoppable force. That's the point. There, there is no question now that, as I've said a couple of times, in every part, in every corner of this industry, whatever your particular interest, this, uh, this, these trends of, uh, of, of, of the use of tech, and, and I always say tech, but really I mean technology and better process and alternative ways of, you know, alternative to service delivery models. That, that the shorthand for that is really, you know, tech that in every part of the industry that is now happening, the, the, the snowball is rolling and is picking up steam. And is the snowball the size of a snowman's head yet? No, it's not. It's still a snowball in lots of places, but it, but, but, but it's rolling down the slope and it's picking up steam. And, and, and yeah. uh, you know, like all of these things, I think it was Bill Gates, but it may not be who said, you know, when you, when you, when you look, when you look at the sort of, when you look forward at what's happening, change never seems technological change never seems to happen that quickly but it's only when you look back 10 years uh, there is no question if i think about where we you know 2022 versus 2012 my goodness me it, it, it feels like on the one hand it feels like a completely different kind of time um and so you know for, seen through those eyes um you know I, I i think we've 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 done a lot but but then i hope in 2032 we'll look back at today and say wow we were only just in the infancy then so yeah absolutely so i mean this is obviously a careers podcast for people who are thinking about law and you know all things linked to law and you know one of the things that we do a lot with our students nick uh, in the careers team here is is to get them to think about getting to you know demonstrate some knowledge of the businesses that are applying to the latest trends all those sorts of things and and I, I guess I'm going to ask you to put yourself in your shoes of, of a typical undergraduate or a postgraduate student um, who, who's doing a law degree at King's you know what would you be saying to them what do they need to know at this stage they're presumably going to get taught a lot of what they need to do on the job itself they're going to get technical training and all that sort of stuff but I guess bigger picture what do they sort of need to be aware of at the moment generally or related to this related to yeah related to this this particular topic so i i think i'm i'm going to replay some of the stuff i said earlier i mean the the number one thing for me is curiosity and interest and and that that um demonstrating whether you know if you're a vacation scheme or you're doing work experience or whatever it might be is is demonstrating a real interest in how stuff gets done and why stuff gets done and couldn't we do it differently and why not try this and wouldn't it be better if that that to me is the number one thing i look for i mean i i i I do not look for hardcore tech knowledge if someone has it great but that is definitely not what i look for and and i really firmly believe that if anyone is out there saying you need to know how to code or that it i just don't think that is true so you know that's that's me on record i i i none of us knows how to use no none, none of us knows what how a phone works yet we yeah. all know how to use it right yeah i mean literally no idea how i'm staring at my phone now. i have no idea i sort of vaguely understand tech i've no idea how a phone works but i'm perfectly capable of using one so uh, you do not need to understand how you know uh, machine learning tools work to to understand that perhaps if I use one in the right way, I can speed up the yeah. review of a document or speed up the review of 10,000 documents. Um, I, I don't need to, um, you know, I, I don't, 
I don't need to uh, be an expert in 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 hardcore technology to be able to think about the 24 steps that I've got to do to uh, you know to produce a particular type of document and then wonder why we do them in that order or yeah. or or you know or think about the fact that you know every day I log on to the 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 internet and I use I'm asked to fill in uh, you know fill in forms in some way and provide information. And you know, I, I, I can probably I can probably assume that there must be a way of doing that for my client, and, and maybe that will speed up the process of gathering information for them. So that's the that's what I look for. I look for people who ask those questions. Couldn't we? Why do we do that? That that's really the that that's really the thing. Um, you know, a structured way of of breaking problems down. You know, I just I talked about process there and, and recognizing that almost everything we do in law is a process. Uh, you know, a transaction follows a process. Yeah, it might shoot off in random directions, but underlying it, there's a process or a piece of litigation has a process uh, or even a, just a, you know, bog down a bit of advisory work. You're gathering information, you're asking a set of questions, you're then, you know, considering issues of law and fact and then providing some advice. There are processes that we follow. So thinking in structured ways, breaking big, complex things down into simpler things, that those are all the characteristics that I look for when I am hiring into my teams, but also whether I'm trying to work out whether someone is going to bring something new to a, another Michigan team. I quite often get asked if I can, you know, uh, go and interview a, whatever, an employment lawyer who's perhaps joining our employment team and the employment team will say, we're really comfortable with their legal capabilities, but they've also got a real desire to get involved in stuff that you do, Nick. Can you come and have a conversation? And 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 again, you know, even when I'm doing that, I'm I'm really asking, I'm really asking the question of myself, you know, how how curious is this person? How how much are they a uh, um, you know, dare I say it, a rule breaker or as someone who's pushing boundaries or something. So that's the stuff that um, that's the stuff that I think you need to think about. You think about demonstrating, uh, you know, one final thing to make it tangible. You know, uh, I suppose, are you the kind of person that you'll hear about one of your friends talking about an app? And you'll think, oh, I'll download that and have a play with it. Mm. Or are you the kind of person that says, oh, interesting, and and lets that go, right? If you're, you know, lots of people find technology scary, right? They don't want to be in the situation where they look at a screen and don't know what to do. And they somehow find that they sort of somehow lose their head a bit and go, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And you're like, well, if you don't know what to do, delete the app. It's not, I mean, it's not the end of the world, right? And there are others who you know, who are very happy to download something and download one of the alternatives and compare screens and play with the experience of going through one app and the other. That, however you, however you as a listener think you can convey that kind of capability set or that kind of interest set to me as a recruiter, that's what I'm looking for. Um, as I said, it's really not about knowledge. If you know how to code, Brilliant. And if you really want to know how to code anything in particular, you know, learn how to le learn how to sort of code Python rather than code Java, right? Learn how to manipulate data rather than necessarily, you know, build websites. That's mm. better. One is better than the other. 
um, for, for the way I think about it, because the, the you know what you're really doing as a lawyer or in in the legal industry is you're manipulating data yeah. more than you're presenting stuff in 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 graphically interesting ways. But but you absolutely need none of those capabilities to get involved in the kind of work that that that, that I I do. Yeah, well, that word curiosity is something I, I say a lot to students when you're looking at even just your career search. Be curious, you know, look at things you would not normally think of looking at. Um, and also when you're having interviews and preparing to talk to partners and associates and graduate recruiters, you know, showing a curiosity and, and asking good questions goes an awfully long way. So I mentioned at the outset of um, of our conversation, Nick, that you are an advisor to the Dixon Poon School of Law. So what does that actually mean? What does that involve? Um, well, so far, uh, the main thing is involved is being uh, helping a team develop a, a, a law and technology course. Um, it's a sort of postgrad MSc course, I think. Yes, um, yes it's launched, launched in this autumn, actually. Yes. Um, and so it, it's been it's been. It's been really interesting working with a, a, a number of other people who do similar kinds of work to me in in other firms, but also in the judiciary and so on, and just really thinking about the topics that lawyers or aspiring lawyers can, uh, you know, we, we can teach outside of the context of being in the organizations you're going to end up working in but how can we expose you to things that are happening in the industry give you tools to play with give you tasks to do the way that they would get done inside a, a firm or, a, or 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 another as i said organization so creating that that's been that's been what i've spent most of my time so far but i i uh, i'm open to other ways caroline whatever you could suggest no, I, it's listen it's uh i i very much enjoy um as you can tell, I enjoy talking about this stuff. I enjoy working with others who are interested at the intersection of law and technology. And King's has, you know, demonstrated time again, time and again that it is. So uh, I'm sure there'll be other things that come my way in the next the next few years. Um, we are coming to the end of our time together, Nick. I, I, I ask a lot of my guests this question uh, it's a very broad one. Uh, what's the best careers advice that you've been given? Um, and why was it the best piece of advice? Well, I'm I'm glad you told me in advance you were going to ask me this. So I didn't, have to, <laughs> didn't have to make it up on the fly. But the, the single best bit of advice I got, it wasn't advice as such. It was a it was a throwaway comment. It was someone coaching me and sort of uh, you know giving me a comment. And it was uh, it was that you've got to be down in the mine to see the diamonds. Was what they said. Um, and I've always I've 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 held it to mean two things. The first is to say yes to opportunities um you know get down in that mine uh you know you can't you can't you'll never find them if you're not down there so just say yes i you know i know there's a famous richard branson quote about sort of say yes to it and then figure out how to do it and i definitely have ascribed to that but the other thing then has always been roll your sleeves up get stuck in and go find those diamonds right i mean you're only going to find them literally if you start scratching away at the at the, at the rocks down there and 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 that's definitely how i've you know i've, I've always done my work I, if I'm going to do it I'm going to do it well I'm going to try and do it as best I possibly can I'm going to uh, you know, demonstrate that I'm committed to doing it that I uh, that I want to do it well 
I, I, I always, you know, get stuck into things and, and, and hopefully, uh, and I've always felt, uh, you know, that I've been uh, rewarded, and I don't mean financially, I mean rewarded with more opportunities and, 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 and with that progression and with that, you know, some financial kind of benefits that go with it. But I, it, it's always been, it's just having that attitude of, of getting stuck in, saying yes to opportunities, getting stuck in, doing things as best they can. And, and I, I think that was probably, you know, that, that's, that's kind of how I made. But when someone said it to me, the best part of 20 years ago I, I i i think it has been something that i remind myself of quite regularly if, if i'm you know perhaps something's come my way that i'm like oh god <laughs> i really want to do that but actually you know if the more you get stuck into something the more you will find it is actually interesting and it's sometimes yes. you haven't got a choice you just got to do it so get yes. stuck in do it well and 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 you know maybe it'll be over in a few days and you'll be on to something more interesting but meanwhile you've got to do it so do it well and and, yeah. and get stuck in Thank you, Nick. This has been absolutely fascinating and a real privilege speaking with you. Your, your passion for what you do really comes across. And I know lots of our students are really genuinely very interested in, in the trends and the changes. And you said, as you said, this is not, we're not going backwards. We're only going to go forwards and progress with this, um, this, this very important topic and, uh, uh, you know, ad addition and welcome addition to the legal sector. So before I let you go and get on with the rest of your day, um, I'm just going to remind our listeners that we'll be back soon with another episode of Let's Talk Law. But in the meantime, thank you so much for your time. It's been really, really wonderful chatting with you. And no doubt we will welcome you back to King's in, in whatever capacity that may be in the not too distant future. But thank you so much, Nick. Well, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. And if I could just say that final thing, if anyone's got this far in the podcast and they do want to chat, please don't hesitate. You can find my details on the on the Michigan website. I'm very happy to very happy for you to get in touch and have a chat if you're interested in this stuff. Thank you. That's very generous of you. Thank you. Nick. Pleasure. See you later. Thanks. Caroline. Bye.